welcome to the Accelerate Podcast, a podcast for high-performing current and aspiring female founders and CEOs across Africa, and for those who also have a passion for Africa. This is the place to learn about the critical success factors and best practices of some of the most amazing high-performing female founders and CEOs as we help you grow to be the best version of you, achieve time and financial freedom whilst living a significant life. Thanks for tuning in to listen. I'm your host, Nekamwobi. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Accelerate Podcast, and this time we are going to Malawi. I am so delighted to introduce my very special guest, Audrey Mwala. Audrey is a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants in the UK. She she is one of Africa's experts in public-private partnership. She holds a bachelor's degree in accounting and a master's of business administration. She's also a personal finance expert and a founder of two companies, Sycamore Consult, a training and consulting company, and Sycamore Credit Limited, a microfinance company. Through the microfinance company, she lends to entrepreneurs, including low-income women, trading in the market. And that's currently Malawi, but looks at expanding that. She is a public speaker and provides various trainings in various platforms. After working for about 24 years, rising to the position, really to the pinnacle of her career as acting chief executive officer, she's currently transitioning out to take over her two companies at the helm of those companies. Whilst at the PPC, which is the public-private partnership, she's been involved in large infrastructure projects in Malawi, such as energy, aviation, the railway, power sector, and, and so really brings a wealth of experience around that. In her spare time, when she's able to get that, she enjoys spending time with her family, She's an accomplished pianist as well, and very active in her church. Audrey, warm welcome. Welcome to Accelerate Podcast. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nika, and thank you for the opportunity. Thanks. Okay, so tell me, what's been your experience? I know that you, I mean, from your profile as well, at the age of 49, you decided to take voluntary retirement, when people are kind of just getting, is when you're about 50 or so, you are now assuming the chief executive officer, having walked your way through from um, a junior accountant and all that. Um, what's been your experience and what's informed your decision to, to say, okay, I'm, I'm done with, with this. I've reached the end and you know, I don't want to stay and enjoy the, being the CEO of such an active government agency. Indeed true that people will be thinking of going higher and an institution and quite frankly it's something that is normal. So for me it's been an interesting journey really because 
I have been at the institution, the public-private partnership institution, for a long time, really 24 years. I had been thinking that when I need to be planning now for a my experience you're right that a lot of people would be thinking about the next position climbing up but then for me i found it different somehow i after waiting for 24 years as i was getting to the 24 years i was increasingly beginning to realize that i believe i have learned enough i believe i have contributed enough i believe that i've been trained enough and i believe that I was now at a position where I can create another entity where I can make a difference in society instead of focusing on just working at the position where I was. Quite frankly, it's been an exciting journey where I have learned a lot in the 24 years I've been at the BBC and especially the time when I was acting as chief executive officer. It gave me a lot of opportunity to learn in terms of uh, resource uh, mobilization, to look at human capital development and management. I had an opportunity of getting my way to lobby from government entities and uh, development partners, but also to negotiate. It's been a great experience to also learn to come up with business case, a proposal where somebody in government or development partners like World Bank would say, yeah, we think it makes sense. I think we are happy to put our money there. So it has been a quite a, a great journey of learning and growth. But this has been a long journey, not only for the period where I was uh, acting as chief executive officer, but also during my entire career as um, a public-private partnership employee working as director of project finance and risk analysis. It's been a lot of um, analysis, report, writing, due diligence, and ensuring that we are looking at these several projects under our office, uh, which were not just focusing on one sector, but it also focused on several sectors. And that's also another experience is really to be able to understand how the power sector works, the water sector works, the opportunity to have a much sector experience, which is not really an experience that many people would have. So it's something that helped me to grow, I believe, yeah. So really, uh, my experience has been great. Uh, it has been great. Yeah, I know, fantastic. And I mean, it's um, commendable to to get to the height of that and to also be known as one of Africa's top public-private partnership experts. Out of curiosity, what was the volume or percentage of women involved in the private sector partnering with the public sector on these large projects? Were there any? And um, how do you see women getting more into those big, larger projects? Uh, well, in terms of the impact, so from that perspective, uh, 
difficult to say uh, whether there was a woman behind it or not, but it has mostly been institutions. So we've been dealing with uh, institutions like Mota Angel and Valet from Brazil, Mota Angel is from Portugal. So we've been dealing with organizations like African Parks. So it hasn't been really individuals. So from a gender perspective, it's a little bit difficult. Okay, and I guess it's because of the volume of capital that is involved. Yes. So when yes. you're talking of very large private organizations and not necessarily, I mean, I didn't mean individuals, but probably in Afri- African-owned private companies who are partnering. So I guess what you're saying is that you, you know, realize that it's actually overseas private companies that partner with the public institutions. Would that be right to say so? Okay, okay. Well, I guess I there's an opportunity, right? Then that may be a conversation for at some point. Now, as you are leaving, you're actually the founder of two companies, training and consulting company and a microfinance company. What prompted you to start not one, but two companies? about the same time and uh, yes yeah yeah about the same time uh but not necessarily at the same time i have a very strong passion about teaching uh, that's what i've noticed because in my work at the public private partnership commission i found myself going beyond the public private partnership just doing the work together to actually doing the training, uh, training people on public-private partnerships. And I went also beyond the confines of my office, where my efforts to do the training for public-private partnerships was not only to deliver the, the job requirements of my office, but I was also contracted by other entities to train people on public-private partnerships. So in that space, I was able to do these trainings in different platforms. Uh, I remember doing this in many countries. I've done this in Kenya, uh, Tanzania, and um, I I have been in Dubai. I've been in the US, in Australia. I've been in South Africa. Uh, literally to teach people on different topics regarding public-private partnerships. So I have just found a very strong passion in imparting knowledge. Besides myself being a specialist as a public-private partnership specialist, I am also a specialist in project finance. So one of the areas uh, is also um, teaching that aspect where we look at how to structure infrastructure projects, but also the aspect of uh, developing financial models. So it's an area that I've been very passionate about. But then I noted that um, besides corporate finance and project finance, I developed a very strong passion uh, with regard to wealth creation and personal finance development. And this is now what prompted me, uh, it's what really led me to this journey of um, setting up the training and consulting company. Because under the training and consulting company, Sikamo, my passion has been to teach people about public-private partnerships and also about personal finance. 
I came to the realization that a lot of us are unable to move or make any progress in our personal finances simply because we were never taught uh, the subject at school. The focus in the school system is teaching people how to manage or account for the finances of the institutions, but there is no attempt to teach people to manage their own personal finances and grow. And as a result, you see that uh, the majority of us uh, simply go by. We don't plan like an institution would plan in terms of their future direction and growth. And as a result, we are stagnant oftentimes uh, on one place. So I developed that very strong passion to teach about personal finance and wealth creation, along with um, uh, public-private partnerships. So in my effort to, to do this, these things, because I was just passionate about doing them, I felt like I would be more structured if I do them under a company. And that's how I found myself setting up Sycamore, a concert. I also noted that the demand for my services were getting a little more increasing to a point that it was necessary that I should have a team on the ground that will be uh, helping me to deliver. Because if I have to be, to do everything myself uh, in terms of organizing, uh, taking calls, it wasn't going to be practical. So I had to do some leverage uh, to bring in people that I can leverage on this. Yeah, so you were talking about prompt, how you were prompted to set up the microfinance bank? Yeah, so I was saying that uh, what prompted me to set up the microfinance bank, quite frankly, was Robert Kiyosaki. He's a man that I've never met, but somehow through his writing, he talked to me and told me to set up this microfinance company. And really, uh, the idea was from a book that he wrote. And uh, I remember traveling to the US and uh, on the way, I got a, a book uh, in uh, in one of the bookstores in South Africa and reading the book uh, in the plane uh, before I could even finish reading it, uh, I think the, I got my message that he wanted to communicate to me, uh, which was to set up a microfinance. Uh, really, he was coming from the aspect of explaining the concepts of wealth creation, uh, something that most people just find confusing. And he was trying to share with us how it works. And uh, he took an example of the financial institutions, which are the banks, uh, showing us how they create wealth. And um, the methods that he explained on what works in the banks, uh, I got it very, very quickly, especially from my financial background. And I said, I'm going to also do the same, but I will start uh, small. And I thought the best way to start was to set up a microfinance company and grow it from there. So that's how I, I, I got myself there, because it's not something that I had in mind, uh, like from childhood. That I really like how you personalized it. I believe you said the book, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, right? And the book was, was that Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Sorry? Was that the what was the name of it? It was uh, How the Rich Gets Richer and the Poor Gets Poorer. That chapter, that was really for me. How you personalize it that he was talking to me? I mean, one would think that you were sitting together having coffee or no, something. No, he talked to me from the want... book. <laughs> and I, I, I heard him. Because, I mean, that, from that same book, many people, he has talked to many people, but uh, people haven't read him. But uh, for me, I could hear that Robert is talking to me and I better listen. And I did. Yes. And it's also interesting to note how it was in this course of you doing, getting exposed to different activities at work at different roles 
that you're able to identify what you are passionate about and what you would like to spend, you know, moving forward or your latter years on. Like I said, the consulting, the adding the value. And then also this other area around, it wasn't what you were thinking about and, and setting up a microfinance bank, but from the books. Obviously, one can get ideas from different places and just being open. But I guess you also ready. There's a saying saying that when the student is ready, the teacher shows yeah. up, right? And I believe that's what kind of happened. And you said then you will grow from here. So I guess you have sites beyond the microfinance bank, yeah. right? I believe you want to get bigger because why you said that, oh, we'll start from the microfinance yeah. and... and yeah, no, actually, Robert talked to me about setting up a bank, uh, but I just said, yes, right. I hear you, but I will take these steps because I knew that if I started with that, I would have been planning by now. There are times when you have to realize that you need to dream big, but you have to start from somewhere. So I think for me, the message was very clear. I know what I need to do, but I also knew where I needed to start from. Fantastic. Okay, so I mean, you are now a government employee, um, now setting up a microfinance bank. How did you raise capital? And in Malawi, I mean, how did you do that? Before I answer you that question, if you don't mind, there's something that you said about being at the office and being passionate. I just want to share this because it may be helpful to someone. the conversation so we just go with the flow yes so what i want to share is about when you are at work doing more than what you're required to do and being passionate about what you're doing because what i saw is that because whenever i have an assignment to do whether it's to do a feasibility study develop a financial model or whether it is about teaching about private partnerships from the perspective of my office i was doing it with so much passion i was enjoying what i was doing and i was doing my best to a point that really i discovered that this is my passion other than my job and that's how i was able to take to identify my passion and move out to do it at a bigger scale. So that's something that I thought maybe somebody could pick an idea from, because I think sometimes we work just for the sake of work, but I think if you work beyond work, uh, you're going to enjoy what you're doing. And quite frankly, for me, uh, traveling around the world to teach about public-private partnerships and teaching about financial modeling is something that I've been very passionate about. And it is really uh, something that I would like to live uh, that life because that's what I've enjoyed. But coming to your question in terms of raising capital, well, for me, raising capital was an interesting journey. Actually, for both companies, I had to raise capital. Uh, But what I did was to ensure that throughout my life, I conducted myself in a manner where people could trust me and I could deliver. And um, not just individuals, but also the banking system. I conducted myself in a manner that when I take a loan from the bank, I will pay it off within a a short period of time. Actually, one of the things that I teach is about debt management uh, strategies uh, in the personal finance. I know how to manage debt where you don't have to stress when you take debt, when you know the skills that I use. So what I noted is that I conducted myself in a manner that I was able to attract certain positive-minded people into my life. Quite frankly, In the microfinance company, I was able to bring in three people, two individuals and one company. 
But that company that I brought is a company that I had selfishly worked for as a director and um, contributed so much. And they saw the value that I was bringing to the company and they had trust and confidence that if they bring their money to me, I'll be able to take care of it and I'll grow it and I'll give them a return. In the other company, training and consulting, I actually have also one person that I knew from years in my high school, but there's another lady who is a CEO of one of the banks here in Malawi, who came and uh, also became a partner. But this is not someone that I have known before. I I think the few times that we have interacted, but very, very few, she was able to make a conclusion that she can take a risk with me and uh, give me uh, millions of money uh, to put into this company. What I noted is that there is an aspect of your conduct that will allow people to bring, it looks like there is money out there. Uh, That's my conclusion. There is money out there, but it is looking for people that have got ideas, people that show commitment, people that can be trusted, people that also show results, people that show that when you give them money, they are going to faithfully use it and they'll be able to give you back. I think there is that element of trust and that element of trust is also there not only in individuals, but also with the financial institutions. Uh, Because I remember um, even there was a second time when I was raising capital again for the microfinance. I remember talking to banks and they told us, no, according to our policy, uh, lending to a microfinance company might be difficult because of our policies, but also because the company hasn't been around for a long time, but we are willing to lend to you. Why don't we lend you? And then you take that money to your company. You know, I found that to be, again, the issue of trust, where the bank trusts me. I think that's something that... You've also intentionally done well. I guess that's your character, but then also realizing that it was important, right? And ensuring that you develop that trust with the different people. And um, but I also want to add also that you also, I guess, beginning with the end in mind, right? Where because you could have said, no, I'm not really, really bootstrap and really, um, you know, struggle by myself and all of that. I can see that you thought bigger. I mean, obviously you have your mind at a bank that why, you know, let me start with microfinance. But so immediately actually trying to raise capital and knowing, you know, another thing is that you, from what you're saying is also, yeah, the intention of, I don't necessarily need to own this business a hundred percent, right from the beginning. You were willing to kind of let more people in rather than saying, oh yeah, all this is for me. Can you speak into that? Because you obviously spread that from the very beginning. Yeah, that's true. Actually, in fact, they are, both companies have got the same history. When I was setting up the microfinance, I approached uh, a number of people. And then now when it came to a time that we should register, I noted that nobody was there to bring money on the table. So fortunately, I had some capital myself that I started with, and then I started operating. But it didn't take time because when I started operating, now the very same people who I had approached before came now to approach me to say, no, we are interested. Uh, We would like to come. Now we can see you are serious. So I think there was also 
to another element of um, what you asked about capital raising, people want to see that you are serious. And unfortunately, a lot of people, especially those that are not in business, they are usually risk averse if they haven't seen anything. They want to invest in something that they can see and touch. So I think if you have a way of um, making sure that you start, it brings confidence to other people because people see that you are serious. So from the way beginning, I because I have been working in corporates for a long time, I know the structures that help corporates to grow is to have proper uh, structures where you have more than one shareholder, where you have, because it helps in um, risk management, but also in just getting ideas and uh, inputs and checks and balances. Because right now, uh, quite frankly, as much as uh, I own this microfinance company, but there are certain things that I can't do without getting the approval of the other shareholders. So that brings in checks and balances. Which is my next question, which is around the value of a, an advisory or board of directors in place. You, you have that with your company. Yeah, yeah. So can you around that? Because that was my next question. Um, of the value of doing that from an early stage in your business? The value of having the board is that usually board of directors are people that you pick from the industry and they are people that are very, very experienced. Uh, for example, right now, the chairman of the board of Sycamore uh, Credit uh, is actually the ex-chief uh, executive uh, officer of a, a bank in Malawi. So he's very knowledgeable about the, the financial sector and uh, he's got a big idea. Actually, he's capable of translating the big uh, operations and expectations in a bank to make sure that our institution is also complying. And besides that, there are so many other experts uh, in legal, people that I wouldn't have had the chance to get their skills from if I didn't have them on the board. Uh, the other company, the Sycamore Concert, the training and consulting company, the chairperson is actually the CEO of Malawi Stock Exchange. He is very, very experienced. He understands uh, financial issues and education uh, issues as to investments issues. So it's something that I learn a lot from them. So the value of the board uh, comes in from the fact that they help in uh, giving you the strategic direction. But besides that, they also bring in the discipline uh, to ensure that you are doing things in the right manner. There is also an accountability part which comes with it because when you go to the board meeting, there are certain actions that you're supposed to do. And when you go next time, there will be matters arising where you have to report on what progress you've made. Uh, based on. So that has kept me on on my toes because now I'm not just working for myself, but now suddenly I'm also working for this board to make sure that I'm reporting to them and I'm giving them the respect. And because I know that these very high top members of our society, I have to also behave in a manner that shows that I handled the companies with the professionalism that it deserves by producing right reports, professional reports, and quite frankly, this has not worked very well only for me, but it has also worked for my team because my team also knows that there is a board to report to. And they are very, very organized knowing that the board meeting is coming on this day. We need to go and report. All right. So let's um, switch gears to another of your passions, uh, which is personal finance. Uh, let's talk about the importance of personal finance for high performing women. And also why it's, a, okay, you still kind of talked about why it's a passion of yours. So you have some women who have maybe have reached the heights of their careers 
or even at, you know, as you can see, the outward that they're looking very good and all of that, but they really have not taken into consideration the importance of personal finance and beyond their active working years. So speak around that. Well, yes, it is very true uh, that a lot of women and uh, probably it's a general position for everybody, but I'll maybe focus on the women that personal finance well, exactly, everyone, absolutely. I mean, so we're not here, but... Yeah. The reality is that we were never told about how to take care of personal finances in school. I must confess that even myself, what I know now, I knew it through self-education, where I took deliberately uh, the initiative to learn about personal finance. When you learn about it, you actually discover that it's a totally different perspective from what we thought we should be handling our finances. There are two elements. One, failing to plan for our finances to last us uh, longer. But there's another element, which is failing to think bigger and to think in a manner that is totally different from what we are currently doing. Because you find that uh, most of us focus on small things, but then if you manage your personal finances well, and if you learn the principles of personal finance management, you discover that you can move mountains. There is an example of a lady that I know was once working for an insurance company, but today she owns an insurance company and she employs people. I know of a gentleman who was once working for a bank. Today, he owns a bank. So I think that's the kind of mindset that I'm talking about, that when you have learned the principles of personal finance, you think bigger than a promotion. You think bigger than going up the corporate ladder, but you think in a manner that makes a difference in society, in terms of job creation, in terms of donations to society, in terms of uh, paying taxes to the society, you discover that your mind becomes stretched, that you are seeing things from a different perspective compared to someone that has not learned the principles of personal finance. Because the principles of personal finance management also helps you to learn how you can even raise capital. It will also help you to learn how you can even use leverage Uh, for your growth and wealth creation. But if you don't know those principles, you will now be living with this idea of uh, failing to save or saving very little, or you'll be moving forward, but you'll be moving. It's it's like the way you, 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 you would say at a snail's pace, you are moving. Maybe the difference between a plane and a car, uh, you'll be driving, but your friend is flying. That's the difference. And the need for women to understand that there is also a plane as a mode of transport compared to a vehicle. So most of us are stuck on the vehicle side and we haven't lifted up to see that there's also another way of doing life. Can you just define to you what personal finance is? Because maybe I might even be limiting what I thought, because you've taken it to another level when you talked about thinking big and linking personal finance with thinking big beyond saving like for retirement and all that. So just give me your perspective around what personal finance encompasses for you. Yeah, well, I think for me, personal finance is 
a process where one acquires skills of personal finance management that will help that person to create worth that is beyond their ability to use in their lifetime. Uh, to do something of an impact that will not be beneficial for them as an individual, but it benefits society and it also changes the country. To handle your finances in such a manner that you are going to be counted when the country is calculating their gross domestic product, your numbers should be counted in there. In terms of personal finance, because this is uh, the reality, if you think about countries like the US, you have um, people that have got uh, a lot of wealth. You're talking of Jeff Benzo, you're talking of the guy who owns Amazon, you're talking of Mark Zuckerberg. Those guys, they've got such a wealth that it helps to contribute to the GDP of the United States of America. Uh, but then if all we are going to be thinking is a salary, then we cannot contribute to the GDP of our country. So even us also as uh, individuals, when we handle our personal finances with a, a mindset of thinking big, we are going to be contributing to our country. There are five key elements in personal finance management. And if you just understand them properly, then you'll be able to move and multiply your personal finances. There is the aspect of income. There is the aspect of expenses. There's an aspect of liabilities. There's aspect of assets. And there's aspect of cash flow. If you can just handle these five key things properly uh, with the kind of knowledge that you get from personal finance training, you'll be able to triple your income. You'll be able to quadruple your income. You start growing. You have to just learn how to handle these things. And you have to learn the principles, which unfortunately, maybe because of time, we will not go through. Otherwise, we will not the next thing. Africa needs to hear what you're saying. I mean, you've just blown up personal finance to a different level, right? And perhaps because of your training in, and your exposure with public-private partnership and the type of big deals or big transactions that, that can be created with finance. So my next question, that's I come to the last, is your plans for, of course, beyond PPPC and beyond Malawi. What's next for you? How are you going to share this with everyone, you know, with technology and all of that? I know you have various training programs, your platforms. How can you be reached? Because I'm sure that uh, listeners here in Africa, listening from Africa, um, and even beyond, will be interested in just how you're able to put that together, right? So the PPP, but the non-personal, you know, private partnership or whatever you want to call it. Talk to us about your different programs or some of them and how you could be reached beyond this? Well, I think uh, right now the programs that I'm doing in personal finance and uh, public-private partnerships and uh, project finance and then business development. So under the yeah, business or corporate development. So the way we are doing at the moment is to have seminars uh, where people register. We have a seminar every month. But beyond that, we also have uh, 
seminars where people ask us to go and train their company. So we train them on retirement planning. And interestingly, our retirement planning training, for example, is not just a training that we just tell you figures and facts about retirement, but we're going to mindset change you. We're going to make you stop fearing retirement, but to, to start looking forward to it. We're going to make you feel uncomfortable with what you've been doing so far and put your mind on fire to start thinking and dreaming big and wanting to do something about it. So, so far we've been doing them physically, um, but we also do them online. Every time we have training, we have an online uh, platform option as well that someone can join on Zoom. But we are also working on uh, doing the same. We just provide these trainings on regular basis where someone can just log in to our website and then they'll be able to get the information. So, yes, so that's what we are working on at the moment. But otherwise, beyond that, we are also working with our um, agents from different countries where we can go and do the trainings uh, in their country. Right now, uh, there's a function happening in Zambia. It's an entrepreneurship uh, program. It's hosted by Dumisani Kube. He's one of the young successful entrepreneurs. So I'll also be at that function speaking on 5th of July on personal finance. And- we share the links and your website details on the show notes, right? So that people can get there because you, I think you've just unpacked, you've just given a different perspective. And I believe that that perspective should be for the, um, for the, uh, I want to use the word unpacked again, but really for the exposed or expanded, for the expanded. Okay, so my last question, and I, I'm also mindful of time is, really your final words to a middle career person who is aspiring to be where you are becoming an entrepreneur or even an entrepreneur who is kind of just getting started or even, and even a high performing perform, um, entrepreneur because really you are you have the experience of having risen through the corporate ladder and now a high performing um, um, entrepreneur, even though I know you have my, your set for even things are larger. So just any final words um, that we haven't covered and then we'll wrap it up here. The final words that I would say to maybe a middle man or to anybody Mm -hmm. is that especially for those that are working, I would say work as if that was your company and um, work not for the company, but for the purpose of building your brand. You should be that kind of person where when people think about your company, they should think about you because of how efficient you are, how the kind of delivery that you're bringing when you're giving service, how excellent you are, that is not only beneficial to your organization, but it benefits you because you build a brand, because you need the brand. Because as I said that uh, for me, when I was raising capital, I noted that it was the Audrey brand that carried more weight than my company because my company was just starting, but it was the Audrey brand. So I think you need to work with excellence in everything that you're doing. And secondly, uh, for those that are just rising up as entrepreneurs, you should also be prepared to handle yourself professionally. For instance, like ourselves, the microfinance company, even in terms of our positioning, we are actually, in our country, we call it Victoria Avenue, but Victoria Avenue is one of the high streets in the main financial street in our country. So we've positioned at 
ourselves uh, there to just make sure that we are communicating a message of our seriousness of what we are doing, that we are going to line ourselves with the banks because that's where we're going. So you need to also make sure that when you are conducting your business, you should conduct it with such professionalism where you have your directors, you are properly registered. The other advantage I've seen that while it is difficult in terms of registration that you start paying taxes when you're registered, but you're also going to lose opportunities if you are not registered. Because like, for example, we are able to train banks, we are able to train uh, large financial institutions. But one of the things that they ask uh, when they are giving us a contract is where you tax clearance certificate. So when you incorporate and you are formal, it helps you compared to operating like a, a briefcase business. But if you are properly registered, so my suggestion to the entrepreneurs is that it's better to formalize what you're doing, even though it is small. Actually, for me, the microfinance, you can't believe that it, I started by employing one employee. And uh, I started by having one desk. I remember our first meeting, I had to stand up because there was only one chair in the company. But uh, today, we have the whole floor. If you go in on the most prominent streets, right, <laughs> aligned with the banks, um, obviously, that's having your site, yes. Um, and then what to um, entrepreneurs at your level or even higher? Any, any thoughts or also maybe any book that has personally spoken to you that the author has personally spoken to you that you would like to uh, leave with us? Well, I have read many books, but one book that uh, repeatedly comes to my mind that I think I will not be able to get over it is this one book by Napoleon Hill, uh, which is Think and Grow Rich. I think that book is revolution to me, and it also challenged me, where he says, name the kind of wealth that you want to create. Don't be shy, name the figure, be that specific, write it down and put it somewhere where you can see. And actually in my bathroom, I have a figure where I know every time, in fact, even on my phone, I have a figure where every day there's a reminder that says, Audrey, this is how much you need to make within the next three years. Oh, wow. Okay, this is definitely your advice for even those who are high performing. Thank you so much for bringing this book up again. And if I have to read that, you've really challenged me as well. I mean, where is that figure? And you're looking at it every day in your bathroom. I mean, you know, even that energy, you know, the vibe, you know, a lot of vibrations, already in motion because you're already looking at that and the law of attraction as well. So Audrey, thank you so very much for, for sharing with us your experience and, um, and your learnings as well. It's always a pleasure and a delight um, to have a conversation with you. Thank you. So until my next episode, endeavor to learn, to grow and to profit and definitely make it. Thank you for listening. This concludes this episode of Accelerate. All the information links will be down in the show notes. If you have not done so already, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice on Apple. This will make sure you don't miss any of the amazing content we have lined up and rolling out for you. If you love this episode, it will mean a lot if you would leave a five-star rating and a written review on 
Apple Podcasts. Finally, if you haven't connected with me over on Instagram and you're interested in learning more about similar episodes and all that's happening before they even get announced publicly, let's make sure to connect over there at Accelerate or Nekamubi on Instagram. But with all that said, I appreciate you being here. I look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram. And until I see you in the next episode, endeavor to grow, profit, and make an impact.